Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports. Yes, I'm back after a restful week of vacation. I did some work around my cabin up in the Shenandoah Mountains of Virginia, and it was uh, just blessed family time. Thank you for letting me get away for a little bit. We were always working a little bit here and there. You saw my byline from time to time, but uh, it was a restful week, and it is so good to be back uh, in the seat here today and, and to join you. We've got a really fun guest today, Wayne Allen Root. You know him as a conservative talk show host. He was the king of sports betting in Vegas. He was a millionaire at age 29, and he's been a student of Donald Trump for four decades. And he has a new book out called Trump Rules. He thinks the 10 key rules that governed Donald Trump's approach to success in politics, business uh, success. You're going to love hearing them. Here's one I always uh, um, uh, enjoyed when I read the book, Failing Your Way to the Top. We're going to talk about what that means, but it's a really fascinating concept that when you study and look back, you'll understand exactly what Wayne's talking about. He's going to be here for the whole show. Uh, We're going to go do a quick commercial break. When we come back, I want to tell you about one story. While I was out last week, we won another FOIA release from the State Department, Freedom of Information Act release. Got some new documents on Hunter Biden, the, uh, the Burisma effort to lobby the State Department. And uh, you're not going to want to miss this. So we're going to have that in a second. And then we'll uh, head on to Wayne Allen Root to spend the time talking about Trump rules, the, the rules of success from Donald Trump. All right, let's go to that commercial break here from our great advertisers and sponsors. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Hey, folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. In a few seconds, we're going to have Wayne Allen Root here. You're going to love his new book. You're going to love his energy. You're going to love what he talks about. We're going to talk about the election, the legacy that Trump has already created, and what's ahead for Donald Trump in the days and weeks and months and years ahead. You don't want to miss that. Hey, uh, last week, uh, we continue to file these lawsuits with the great help of the Southeastern Legal Foundation. That's a public interest law firm that represents us on Freedom of Information Act and open records requests. We're doing a lot right now behind the scenes on election stuff that could bear fruit days, weeks, or months from now. But journalism, investigative journalism is a slow process. And part of that slow process is fighting these lawsuits, which in the case of Burisma and Biden are more than 15 months old now. But we got some new productions, both from ourselves and also uh, from our friends at Citizens United, Dave Bossie, produced some new documents, and what they showed is explosive. These were held withheld from us until after the election. We got them after the election so that people wouldn't know exactly what went on. But what's most interesting is a series of emails uh, from George Kent. You remember, he's the guy with the bow tie, that State Department official who uh, testified at the Ukraine uh, impeachment hearings uh, more than a year ago now. Um, when you look at this, you realize how carefully orchestrated the Ukraine impeachment hearings were a year ago to avoid the embarrassing stuff, the pressure campaign, the Hunter Biden concerns. These documents show the State Department were mortified that Hunter Biden uh, was on the board of Burisma and that Burisma, despite its long record of corruption, uh, the suspicions that State Department officials had that they were bribing their way to resolving their corruption cases in Ukraine, all that, they really were worried that Hunter Biden um, was on that board. And so was his uh, co-worker or um, business associate, a guy named Devin Archer. Uh, in one of the emails in November when they're talking about the owner, Burisma, continuing to campaign to make these corruption allegations go away. And, and 
uh, Ukraine uh, State Department official notes, I think it was George Kent, uh, gets the email, comes from the deputy economic counselor in the embassy in Kiev, says, hey, by the way, it's uh, not only Zolcheski has a corruption problem, but Devin Archer, that business partner of and co-Burisma board member, Devin Archer was on the board with um Hunter Biden uh, on that Ukrainian gas company. He's been indicted on a fraud case. More corruption around or an already corrupt company. They make note of that to show just how acutely aware and how uncomfortable the Obama-Biden State Department officials were with the conflict of interest that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden created in Ukraine with the Burisma scandal. Uh, that's one of the emails there. I think the more interesting one was the way George Kent, that's the guy with the bow tie, uh, lifelong career uh, State Department bureaucrat at the time. I think he was either deputy chief of mission or charge d'affaire, uh, charge d'affaire at, at the Kiev embassy. He writes um, that he gets a call from Burisma's American lobbying firm or law, law firm, uh, consulting firm. It's called Blue Star Strategies. You've heard a lot about him. We talk about it all the time on the show. And he said it was the most rude, uh, bullying, uh, intense uh, a call he had ever had in his 20 plus years in uh, the civil service inside the foreign service. Uh, he talks about how Blue Star was trying to bully him. Uh, they were trying to get him to back off his story, his recommendation that Blue Star not be allowed to take the Ukrainian prosecutor general, Yuri Lysenko, the man who would settle the Brisma cases just a few weeks later. It's in the fall of 16 in the shadows of the election. Just before Donald Trump beats Hillary Clinton, uh, Kent puts a stop to uh, Blue Star uh, in their effort to cajole or gain influence with Yuri Lysensko to bring the Ukrainian prosecutor to the United States. He puts a stop on it, puts his foot on it. He gets the wrath of uh, Blue Star in a phone call, which he called bullying. Uh, and it lays out just how much pressure uh, the Biden-connected Breesman firm was applying to his father's administration. Exactly the reason why we avoid conflicts of interest normally in government, why a son or daughter or wife or brother shouldn't be cashing in on a government official, high-ranking government official's um, portfolio, policy portfolio. When you read these memos, I've put them all up for you in the dig-in section. You can download them. You'll see this, this campaign just wasn't a lobbying campaign. It was a high-pressured, bullying, intense, um, no-holds-barred effort to get the Obama administration, the Obama-Biden team, and the Ukrainian prosecutors to dump the idea that Brisman was a corrupt company, even though the State Department believed all along it was, in fact, corrupt. So did the U.S. Justice Department, which helped bring the original charges. These documents are explosive. I talked to Dave Bossie. He said that he believes that they were withheld specifically to deprive, to deprive the American voter of this knowledge before Election Day about Joe Biden. Uh, we're not going to deprive the American public. We're going to keep digging on Breesman. We have more documents coming, more FOIAs and appeals and lawsuits to challenge us. We're going to get to the bottom of the Breesman story. I don't believe we know it all yet. We know a lot more in the last year, thanks to our, uh, the help we've gotten from the Southeastern Legal Foundation, our own reporting from members of Congress, Ron Johnson, Chuck Grassley, um, Devin Nunez, more to come. But I hope you read this story today. It's on the front page of the Justin News. It's got a lot of great documents, and uh, it's one of those stories that are designed to keep them honest here in government in Washington. All right, we're going to go to another commercial break and hear from our great sponsors who we love so dearly. When we come back, Wayne Allen Root, buckle your seatbelt. This man is full of energy. You're going to be exhausted when you're done listening to him. He's got so much to say, and he says it in the most colorful and energetic way. You're going to just love it. Enthusiasm uh, comes with every word that he speaks. So we'll be right back with Wayne Allen Root right after these commercial breaks. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. It's so good to be back from vacation and rejoining with you. And we started off with a good one this week. My good friend Wayne Allen Root joins us. You know him as an extraordinary uh, talk show host, a conservative voice thought leader. Uh, but he also has a whole other side of his life that uh, even predated his radio show in the sports betting industry. Wayne, great to have you on the show again. Hey, John, you know, you, you've had a lot of uh, politicians and political thought leaders and controversial political opinions on your show. Have you ever had a human energizer bunny? That's I, me. Um, <laughs> I love it. It's a great thing. And a human energizer bunny with a new book out. The new book is Trump Rules. Learn the Trump Rules and Tools of Mega Success and Wealth from the Greatest Warrior and Winner in History. Great book. Tell me what inspired you to write this. Well, I mean, first of all, let, let me start with the obvious question that a liberal would pose to me, right? A liberal would say, Wayne, you just released Trump rules about he's the greatest guy in history, and he's the most brilliant marketer and salesman and pitchman in history, and he just lost. So don't you think the whole point of the book is wrong? That's what a liberal would say. Right. And, and I would laugh because, and I would laugh, John, because first of all, in the history of the world, of all the human beings that have ever walked the world, you know, I'm not counting Jesus Christ. I'm counting human beings that have been on this earth with flawed human characters. He's the only one that's risen to the top of real estate and business in general, and branding, and celebrity, and the number one book, Art of the Deal, and the number one reality show, Celebrity Apprentice, made it in Hollywood, number one, and also politics, and also a billionaire, and also the leader of the free world. So whether he won or lost this election, he's proven he's one of the most incredible, brilliant, greatest marketer, salesman, brander in world history, and, I, and I'm being a little bit modest, because I don't think he's one of the, I think he's proven he's the greatest. Nobody's ever achieved the pinnacle of success in all of those things in history, whether he won or lost this last election with massive, I think, theft and, and fraud and, and complete you know, malfeasance by the Democrat Party. Either way, what they had to do to defeat Trump was cheat on a level 50 times more than in 2016. And even then, despite four years of impeachment and four years of hate and four years of I hope he gets assassinated and four years he's Hitler and four years he's a KKK and a white extremist, after all of that, he got 11 million more votes than the last, the last time, time when he won. Yeah. So I think he's proven that he's superhuman. He's the most amazing human being. He faced the whole world. I, I think he's like the movie of 300, when 300 men faced off against an army of hundreds of thousands and almost won. Here's a guy that faced off against the entire government of America, the entire deep state, the whole D.C. swamp, the entire world of globalists, everybody at Davos, everybody at Sun Valley, every CEO of every major billion-dollar corporation, they all hate Trump. The entire media, the entire social media, the entire education system, every public school teachers union member, every professor in every college, the entire judicial system, every judge, everyone hates Trump, and he got 11 million more votes than last time, and I believe probably won in an electoral landslide if you take out the massive cheating, meaning let's stop the vote at 12 midnight, never happened in history, let's wake up the next morning and we suddenly found hundreds of thousands of votes in every state that mattered where Trump was up by hundreds of thousands and suddenly they dumped 300,000 to zero and 200,000 to zero and 100,000 to zero and suddenly we're supposed to believe he lost in all of those states by a little tiny bit because they found all those ballots overnight. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't born yesterday. I certainly wasn't born <laughs> in the last three minutes. And so you expect me to believe that? I have a bridge to sell you in Vegas over the Atlantic Ocean if you believe that. You so go. I think the guy pulled off a miracle. He's superhuman. That's the point of the Trump rules. And even if you beat him, John, even if you did beat him and the Supreme Court rules against us and Biden's the next president, which obviously the odds say, sadly, that's probably the reality, right. but but not, uh, not 100% because Trump's amazing and he's always a Houdini and at the last minute he pulls out miracles. So it's not 100%. We still could win this thing, but let's assume Biden is the next president. Donald Trump will prove me right again because He'll lead a movement. 70, 74 million people aren't going away. He's the leader. We still love him. He will absolutely be the loyal opposition to Biden and, and rip him at every opportunity. He'll probably start a TV network that puts Fox out of business. And, and then on top of that, he'll probably run for re-election in 2024 and be the second president in history to ever win, lose, and then win again. So, I mean, even if he loses, he finds a way to fail his way to the top, that which is one, one of the most roles. important lessons in my book.
Yeah, there it is. And, and, and uh, clearly a big lesson. Now, for, for all those who think that you're a Donald Trump fan because of what happened in 15 and 16, you've been studying this guy for 40 years, and you said he was your MBA course as you were building your business empire. Bring us, uh, tell us how that happened. And then also, for those who don't know all the other extraordinary things you've done, run for office, I think one of the youngest political candidates in New York history, built a uh, one of the most important uh, sports uh, betting operations in, in the country. Tell us how you studied him and how it influenced this extraordinary rise at, uh, of your business. I think you were a millionaire by the time you were 29, right? Yeah, well, listen, I was, uh, you know, an SOB. I'm very proud of being a son of a butcher. And uh, <laughs> my dad was a blue, my dad was a blue-collar butcher with a white apron and bloodstains on it and, and a very working-class blue-collar guy. And, and, you know, so I was not expected to do anything special in life. I was born in Mount Vernon, New York, on the Bronx borderline, not only a dangerous town, not only a, a poor town, not only a, a town filled with crime, right. but also, uh, also a town that was, when I was there, I'm sure now even far more, but was a majority minority town and basically an all black town. I went to Mount Vernon middle school and high school and I'm a Jewish kid and I was one of the few white kids and the only Jewish kid in the entire middle school and in the entire high school. 4,000 students and like 3,700 were African American and Little Wayne Root and a few very rough Italian kids. That was my upbringing. And so where was I supposed to go in life? And yet I graduated valedictorian of high school. I got into Columbia University once in Columbia, I'm a freshman, and who's the hero of New York? A guy named Donald Trump. Yeah. And he's building the Grand Hyatt Hotel at Grand Central Station as I'm a freshman at Columbia. And he's in the gossip columns every minute in the New York Post and the New York Daily News. I decided at that moment, that's what I want to be. That's who I want to be. I want to be like the Donald. And so I studied this guy for four years of college. I like to say I got an MBA in Trump. And I studied him, and I modeled him, and I tried to live my life like him and act like him and be like him and what would he say and what would he do when I get involved in a, in a business deal and the next thing you know a lot of amazing things happen. My life's been a fairy tale. I'm not Donald Trump. I'm not a billionaire. But for an SOB, a son of a butcher from Malvern, New York, on the Bronx borderline, man, have I lived an amazing life studying the Trump rules and living the Trump rules. I became the youngest political candidate at the time. I don't know if anyone's ever beat me, but I was 21 years old and running wow. for major office in New York State. So the youngest political candidate at the time in New York State history is my understanding. I don't think anyone younger than 21 ever ran for major office. One of the youngest TV hosts and Anchorman, within, within three years of running for office, I became the lead anchorman at what is now known as CNBC. In those days, it was called Financial News Network. Right. And it was the financial channel and the only one in America. And it reached at that time, I think, about 40 million homes, which was very big in 1989. Sure and I was, was a 26-year-old kid, John, and I became the lead anchor and hosted uh, five shows there. I became a best-selling author. I've written 14 books, many of them national bestsellers. This one, by the way, Trump Rules, has been on and off number one at Amazon for a month now, actually five weeks now. Uh, I became the king of Vegas sports gambling, literally left CNBC and started my own company and became the king of Vegas sports gambling. That's not me talking. That's what the media dubbed me, and and uh, had over three million clients and sold hundreds of millions of dollars worth of my picks on national TV. Right, became a self-made millionaire by age twenty-nine and bought a house on the beach in Malibu. And and then here's the really big ones that sound a lot like Trump. Uh, created a reality TV show and eventually three hit reality TV shows. One of them, the biggest hit to this day in the history of Travel Channel, uh, aimed to be Jimmy the Greek, the famous Vegas oddsmaker. Of I wanted course. to be. As famous as him, and guess what? I became his partner on TV, aimed to be Rush Limbaugh, and wound up changing my whole career and became a nationally syndicated conservative talk host, aimed to be Bill O'Reilly, wound up with my own show on Newsmax TV, and for three years and 750 shows that I hosted, who was my partner three times a week, Bill O'Reilly. And now, now one of my heroes in sports is Pete Rose, and we just announced two days ago, you know, I just took my sports uh, handicapping company public. Public, right? Congratulations. Public, yes, and Pete Rose is my new national spokesman. We just hired him and put a deal together, and he will appear in all the TV ads with me. It'll be me and Pete Rose. So in my lifetime, four of my heroes were Jimmy the Greek, Bill O'Reilly, Rush Limbaugh, and Pete Rose. I wound up being partners with Jimmy the Greek on TV, partners with Bill O'Reilly on TV, partners with Pete Rose on TV, and emulating 
violating Rush Limbaugh with a nationally syndicated radio show. If the Trump rules don't work, then I must be selling something wrong because I don't get it. They work. <laughs> Trust me. They work. Amazing. You, uh, you have a whole life story to back that up. I want to get right into the rules because having watched them for the last four years here in Washington, uh, these are very perceptive rules. And so let's get to the first one. Number one, always winning. What, uh, describe what that means. Well, listen, to, to a guy like Donald Trump, there is no second place. If you're second, you're losing. You know, you know, and I point out in the book, there's another guy that reminded me of Trump growing up, and I, he was another one of my heroes. His name was George Steinbrenner. Sure. And he, and, he, and he bought the New York Yankees. And when he bought the New York Yankees, I believe he bought them from CBS TV, if my memory serves me. I think that's right, 1972, like, right? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say early 70s, 72, 73. He bought the Yankees, and at the time, I think they were worth like, I think he paid like $15 million, and people thought he overpaid. And on the day that he died, they were worth like $3 billion. Isn't so he took amazing? 14, 15 million, turned it to $3 billion. He's an amazing guy. And just like Trump, they were two peas in a pod. Uh, a brash, in-your-face, combative New Yorker who takes on the critics, tells the critics to go to hell. That was George Steinbrenner, just like Trump. And someone who believed, he, he had a Thing, that there is no number two. You're number one or you're a loser. And he always aimed to be number one. And the result was the Yankees won more games and won more world championships than any team during the years he owned them in all of sports. So aiming to be number one doesn't mean you always win. Right. It just means if you don't have that winning attitude, you're never going to win. And if you have that winning attitude, you know, you might bat 300 and make the Hall of Fame, but that means you got out seven out of every ten. You, you only got to hit three out of ten. Such a That's great enough point, to make right? the Hall of Fame. Right, and that's Trump's philosophy. Whether he learned it from Steinbrenner, who's a little older than him and has now passed away, or whether I learned it from Trump, it, it doesn't matter. The key is anybody can learn it. you got to aim to be number one, and sometimes you'll finish two or three and you'll hate it, but that's not so bad either, right? The, the finishing two out of 100 is pretty good. So you'll hate it, and you'll say, ooh, I'm a loser, and you'll still be number two out of 100. That's a pretty good number. So uh, to me, that's the winning philosophy of life, and, and if Donald Donald Trump can overturn this election result. He'll go down in history as the greatest, you know, comeback kid ever and the greatest winner ever and the greatest Houdini ever and the greatest jujitsu guy ever. And if he doesn't overcome it, like I said, he'll still go on to do great things and, and do something that so amazes people that it'll even add to his legacy. So to me, Trump is in a win-win position. Unfortunately, John, I think America is in kind of a win-or-lose position. Either Trump wins or we really lose for the next four years big time because I'm a businessman. See, and I, so even if Trump flips it and, and winds up president again in 24, but if he doesn't win this time, we are so screwed for the next four years. So Trump will prove he's a winner and come back. But the question is, are we going to survive? Because I'm not even a conservative. I'm a capitalist. And I know that the eight years under Obama and Biden were, were eight of the worst years in the history of the economy of the United States. They weren't quite the Great Depression, but they were damn close. They were the worst recovery in 80 years. You know what I call the worst recovery in 80 years? It's not that, a recovery. It's a, it's yeah. a horrible recession yeah. for eight years. So, so here's Biden announcing he's bringing back all the same economic advisors yes. under Obama. Yeah, so, so you can't expect anything, and he wants to lock down the country. He's going to destroy this economy like nothing anyone's ever seen. So, you know, either Trump wins this thing, or he still wins, in my opinion, but we all might lose. So I'm not naive about this stuff. I'm very serious about it, and I'm very realistic about it, not delusional. Trump needs to overturn this election result, or we've got a big problem, because between lockdowns and the, and the old Obama economy back again, in my opinion— we're looking at a devastating winter and a devastating year and a devastating next four years. So you know what? You either read the Trump rules and learn how to overcome or you're going to have a lot of trouble. You better learn the, the type of rules that Trump has used to go from inches from bankruptcy and the bankers had him by the you-know-what, the right, right. and yet he, he came back and did better than ever. We're all going to need that philosophy, and I've had it my whole life. Because John, I told you about all those amazing fairy tale successes. Right, right. But I didn't mention I didn't mention it in between. I've had lots of failures and lots of losses. That's the Donald Trump philosophy. I aim you big fail your way and to I the gamble top. big. Right. I gamble big and sometimes I win and sometimes I lose. But when I lose, I learn from it and then I come back bigger than ever. So all of us need to learn it now, that Donald Trump philosophy, because the next four years could be very problematic. 
It's um, uh, you, you mentioned uh, always winning as the number one rule. Failing your way to the top is, is not being afraid to fail as part of the effort to get to the top is such an important philosophy. And it really separates, I think, when you look at history, uh, the, the has-beens and the true winners in, in politics and business, uh, that willingness to, to overcome the fear of failing and go for the gusto is, is clearly part of it. You, you know, there's another one that I, I finally got to see firsthand when the Russia case began. It's called Screw the Critics. Um, talk a little <laughs> bit about how Trump doesn't let uh, his detractors get in the way of his success. Well, I'm, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to double back to number two because you, you went over it real fast. Yeah. I just want to mention when liberals attack Trump or Democrats attack Trump, attack Trump they often use the following uh, slur on Trump or slander on Trump. They'll say, oh, yeah, he's a real winner. Look at Trump Airlines. Look at Trump's casinos. Look at this. Look at that that failed. And so in my book, I kind of turn that on its head and I throw it right back in their face. I That entire chapter about failing your way to the top, in my Trump rules book, John, lists all of Trump's failures, which are many. I think I listed, you know, off, off the top of my head, like 32 or 33 failures. But what nobody talks about is he's gone into literally a thousand ventures and 32 have failed. That means the success rate is 997, you know, to, to 30. The, the results speak for themselves. You're never going to be 100% in business. Some things work, some things don't. Ironically, what usually stands in the way is liberal Democrat economic policies. You know, it's horrible taxation and horrible regulation that stop a businessman from succeeding, and then liberals blame the businessman or the businesswoman for failing. When in reality, if you took away all those high taxes and all those regulations, we'd all do great with every business we're involved with. So, you know, they're the ones standing in the way of success. But Trump is probably like 970 wins versus 30 losses. So they quote the 30 losses. I prefer to see the glasses half full, and that's what makes you successful in life. So I quote the 970 wins. That's the difference between a winning mentality and a losing, and that's why you can fail your way to the top. You need to learn from every failure and have the cojones to keep fighting and keep swinging and keep tilting at windmills and keep raising money and keep taking your companies public and I've done that and I've succeeded and I've failed but in the end I'm a winner I'm still standing so's Trump that's an important philosophy probably the se- that's why I listed it number two number one always aim to win and always aim to be number one but number two when you do fail learn from it and come back bigger yeah. than ever before so so there's one and two and now I'll jump to three which is screw the critics you can't succeed in life if you don't hear people saying lousy things about you and your reaction has got to be go screw yourself. You can't listen. <laughs> a quintessential New Yorker, uh, absolutely. As a guy who grew up in the shadows of New York, that is a good trait to have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't listen to what they say. Nope. If I ever listen to what people tweeted at me, you know, every time I say something nice, you know, just the other day, I happen to be a, I'm probably, you know, I'm a Jewish kid, but right. I, I call myself the Jew that loves Christmas, you know? And so <laughs> I, I, my fiance Cindy and I have a house with 20 Christmas trees. Wow. I'm the most Christmas loving person. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, Cindy loves Christmas and I love Christmas. So I found the right girl. And, and our house is so Christmas decorated. It should be on one of those TV shows where they feature all the best Christmas decorated <laughs> houses love in it. America. And so I, I, I literally tweeted out to my very large fan base on Twitter and parlor pictures of all the Christmas trees in my house. And 99% of the response was, oh my God, how beautiful, how wonderful. Thank you for sharing. What a great guy. We love you, Wayne. 1% was, I hate you. You're just trying to show how rich you are. You're a disgusting person. Oh, I hope you die. I hope you get stomach cancer. This is how liberals wow. actually think. And it's sick. It's twisted. It's yeah, perverted. It's, sorry. They, they find the worst in everything, John. And they see the worst, and they're jealous and envious of anyone's success. Me, the only reason I'm successful, John, is because I watched other people's success. And when they tweeted or posted things like I do, I said, wow, I can be that too. And that gave me encouragement, and that gave me confidence, and that gave me a vision and goals. And my life was made by studying 
studying rich people like Donald Trump in particular, but many others. George Steinbrenner has an example. Right. I've studied many rich people, and I don't have what they have, but it inspires me to come close at least. Whereas yeah. liberals look Keep at trying. it and go, oh, you're just bragging. Screw you. I hate you. I don't have what you have, so I don't want to look at it. I hate you. That's a terrible way to look at life, and that's why liberals fail. That's why no matter what they do, they're always going to be failures because they only know envy and jealousy and hatred. And speaking of hate speech, they're the ultimate hate speech people. All they know to do is say vicious things to people. I saw that firsthand when they uh, tried to attack my Ukraine reporting. You know, the fun part about it was I knew the stories were accurate. And you know what you do? You just ignore it, keep reporting, and... uh, and, and screw it, the critics. It, yeah, screw the critics. <laughs> I, I guess I engaged in one of those roles and didn't even know it. Now, one of the ones, I'm going to jump down the list a little bit because it's sure. endemic to what you just talked about. Uh, you, Donald Trump, George Steinbrenner, had this quality of being relentless. You see it in Rudy Giuliani, who's relentless. Um, talk about why that's such an important role. I know it's number nine, but there is a power in being uh, relentless and never stopping. Um, uh, how does that drive success when you're a Donald Trump or you're a Wayne Allen Root? number nine because it's ninth right. most important That's by the right. way I, I put i put number one winning and number two failure way at the top those really are probably one and two right all the rest were a tie john yeah, they're tie. yeah so, exactly yeah so the power of relentless i mean look i wrote a book called the power of relentless and it was a number one national business bestseller so it already proved itself who was on the back cover a beautiful quote saying wayne root is relentless listen to him he's the best and it was donald j trump before he was president <laughs> How so, about that? So he's always been a fan of mine and i'm a fan of his sure. there's even a there's even a negative book out about trump called the grifters club and they're basically calling him a grifter and saying you know he's like a a salesman loser liar right, right. and 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 even that book, which was written by a New York Times journalist, they, they literally have a quote in the book, Donald Trump is a huge fan of Wayne Allen Root. Literally, in that book, they put that Donald Trump's a huge wow. fan of Wayne Allen Root, and I'm certainly a huge that? fan of Donald Trump. So we have a mutual love society. What can I tell you? We both think like combative New Yorkers, and we are both relentless. That's the number one attribute, I think, of Donald Trump, and then yeah. I learned it. So I, I'm a clone of Trump because I follow Trump, and I'm relentless. No matter what you throw at me, you could throw bricks, you could shoot me, you could stab me, you could make me bankrupt, you could call me a loser. I always come back. I just don't take kindly to losing. I'm always going to flip it on you, and that's being relentless. It's more important than your college degree. You went to Harvard. You know, Someone else went to Fordham. I'll bet on the Fordham guy if the Fordham guy is relentless and the Harvard guy is just a brainiac. I'll go with relentless over brains and IQ any day of the week. Every person I've ever studied who is super successful some are brilliant and some are Harvard people. You know, hey, and I'm not against Harvard. I went to Columbia sure. and my daughter and my daughter was homeschooled and went to and got accepted at every Ivy League school in America and went to Harvard. Wow. So it's not like I'm anti smart. I right. think I am pretty smart. And my daughter's a lot smarter than me. But but I'm certainly a believer that book smart alone is not enough. No, you show me the list matter. of people. No, no, show me the list of people that went to Harvard. You'll see some of the greatest people in America, but you'll also see lots and lots of people that did okay. Yeah. You, but you show me a list of relentless people whose motor never slows down, who just keep fighting, 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 24 hours a day fighting for what they believe in, giving it 180%. Those are the people that are the top, top t- people in all of America, in money, in fame, in power, you name it. Trump is relentless. I am relentless. George Steinbrenner was relentless. I give you a George Washington was relentless, chopping down the cherry tree. Right. There's a lot of relentless people in this world. And, you know, Sly Stallone, for every movie that man has had that has worked, and he's produced, I don't know, like $10 billion in box office numbers. Right. For every good movie, there's a bad movie. You know, and you've just got to overcome it and move on to the next. You That's all part, of the, all part of winning, all part of failing your way to the top, all part of screwing the critics, and all part of being relentless. It all ties together. That's what being relentless is about. Forget the A-plus on your exam. We want that. I'm never against that. I, I tell my kids, you know, you get a B, you're getting nothing for me. You get an A plus, you're getting a hundred dollars. And so I'm an inspirer. I, I make sure my kids want to get A pluses. But in the end, people that get A pluses don't necessarily dominate the world. I think a lot of the people that dominate the world didn't go to Harvard, didn't get A pluses, but they are relentless and they are hustlers. And that's, yeah, that's what I am. Key. And I say it proudly. I'm a hustler and I'm relentless and I'm a salesman. And I got that from studying Donald Trump. That's fascinating. And that word relentless just reverberated in my mind when I saw it. You've got some other fun ones here. I'm going to go through a couple more. Eagle rules, always pitching, never bitching. It's all about the story. Talk about those three. 
Well, I'm always pitching and I'm never bitching. I don't complain. Right. I and mean, the closest I come to complaining is that I believe Democrats stole the election. There's no question. I'm not stupid. They stole the election. You're blind if you don't see that. But is that a complaint or is that stating the obvious and now the job is to come up with solutions? That's the positive part of me. I'm always pitching a new idea. That's the way when you're in trouble in life, John, wake up in the morning and come up with 10 new ideas and 10 new solutions and 10 things that make you feel good. And the next thing you know, all the things you're complaining about are gone. They don't yeah, matter. They're in the rearview mirror. So, you know, even though I think Biden could be very destructive to America and this economy and, and could let millions of foreigners, illegal aliens in our country and try and give them health insurance, there's a lot of problems that could be coming around the corner if Biden's president. Lockdowns, the worst, you know, economic suicide idea I've ever heard in my life. All of those are bad things. But I'm someone who, you know, always expects the best but prepares for the worst. Sam. So if Biden's the worst, I will still be prepared to succeed uh, despite Biden myself. I don't know about the country. I don't know about every person in America, but I but you've will got find a plan a way for yourself. To- I got a plan for me, and, and the plan is basically just being relentless. Yeah. You know, I just took my company public, and I've got 12 other careers and 12 other businesses, and I get 20 checks a month, and if I lose 10 of them, I still be, I'll still be okay. You always got to have a lot of balls in the air, like a, like a magician juggling balls. You know, if you juggle one ball, nobody comes to your act. Right. But if you juggle 20, everybody goes, oh, my God, he's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's me. I'm, I'm always juggling 20 balls at once because if I drop a 19, I still got that one, and that one will pay my mortgage. So I'm always fighting, 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 always pitching, and rarely ever bitching. I think that's one of the more important things in life. And when I, when I meet Democrats, they're always complaining, always bitching, and they're never pitching. They got it all backwards, and they got it all wrong. It's fascinating to, um, to when, you, when you hear you talk, you, you can see now as you look through the Trump presidency or the Trump business rise, so much of that um, energy, that relentlessness, that pitching, uh, it really is there. I mean, you really have taken the time to, to study this. I, um, it's all about the story. Uh, it's true that President Trump always has a story about what he's doing and what, what his plan is. It always has a story. Uh, how is that important for success? Well, you know, all the success really comes from sales. And there's another thing Democrats don't understand. You know, find me a wealthy guy or gal. I'll find you a salesman, uh, a pitchman or a pitch woman. And Democrats don't have those kind of jobs. Democrats are either, you know, on welfare or food stamps, on government assistance. They work for government. They're a government employee. Right. You know, but Democrats are almost never business owners and salesmen or saleswomen. I am. I learned that from Trump. All the money in life comes from selling. Yeah. And if you're going to sell, you got to have a great story because facts bore people. Whether you like it or not, facts are boring. So when Trump gives a speech, you'll notice there's very few facts and the liberals attack him for it. But he's a very popular guy. He won the presidency and then added 11 million votes. Why? Because people like a storyteller. He'll speak for 90 minutes, and it's story after story after story. That's what makes those rallies so popular. Yeah. Right. And that's what makes you rich as a businessman. Believe me, every bit of my success in life, even though I know all the facts, by the way, I mean, there's an area where I think I'm much stronger than Trump. I know facts. I could quote you economic facts about Democrats versus Republicans, about red states versus blue states, about no tax states versus high tax states. I know every fact there is that proves that conservative is better than liberal in every way. But I almost never use them, John, because people don't care. People get bored and people forget them. What's memorable is a great story. And that will always work. And, And let me give you an example, a quick example. So I'll bet one of the things everyone remembers in this interview, other than the fact they want to go buy Trump rules as a great Christmas gift. <laughs> so, uh, but other than that, they're going to remember Wayne, Wayne Root homeschooled his daughter to Harvard. There's a great story. Yeah, right? That's a very a unique story. Let me give you a second very unique story. So I had a grandfather, and he wound up uh, about to celebrate his 92nd birthday. This is 20 years ago. And he comes to me and says, at that time, I was the king of Vegas sports gambling. And I was in the media all the time, right. you know, quoting sports gambling and who's going to win and who's going to lose. I was the Jimmy the Greek of my day. And he came to me and said, you are such a famous guy. And I've been nothing my whole life but a blue-collar nobody. You know, he worked at a print shop his whole life. Now he's retired for 20 years. He says, my 92nd birthday is coming up. What can I do to become famous like you on my 92nd birthday? Now, that's a a big ask. That is a big ask. Absolutely. (laughs) Where do you go with that? 
so I thought about it for about a month or two, and then I came back to him and said, here's what we're going to do, but you have to agree. It's going to be up to you. I want to do a grandson, grandfather skydive and jump out of an airplane at 10,000 feet, and you and I float back to Earth, and you'll be 92 years old when you land, and I'll arrange for all the media to show up, and you will become famous. And Grandpa said, I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> and so it damned if he didn't jump out of that airplane Holy with me. I was cow. amazed. Wow. When I looked out that window, you know, yeah, I you got had some scared. Second thoughts. I was like, you can't, ju- <laughs> you can't jump into that. What are you yeah. kidding me? It's not a natural sight to look out a window into clouds and jump into it. But I did it only because my 92-year-old was willing to do it. I said, what yeah. an idiot I'll be if I don't do it. So I did it, and we both jumped out of the airplane. We both landed. 30 news organizations from all over the country. We opened the L- the Los Angeles NBC News Live with, wow. the, with the beautiful host saying, Grandpa Norm, you're my new hero. And he tried to pick her up and said, would you marry me? Right on national <laughs> TV. He was a character. I, I and bet then, he was. And then, a limo, and then a limo drove us to the airport, and, uh, and we flew first class, first time in Grandpa's life at the age of 92 flying first class to the Rosie O'Donnell show. This was 20 years ago. And Rosie O'Donnell brought out a cake with 92 candles and the entire audience sang happy birthday after Grandpa told his story on TV. So, I mean, I made the man famous on his 92nd birthday. That's relentless. I can make anybody, whatever their dream is, I think I can make it come true with a combination of, of a winning attitude and learning from failure and screw the critics and always be relentless and always be pitching, not bitching. Right. Let me tell you, that was a, that was a, that was a uh, perfect game pitch to get Grandpa at the age of 92 finally famous. And by the way, the after, the post-game report on that was Grandpa got marriage proposals from older women all over the United States. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds How about of 80 that? and 90-year-old women proposed marriage to Grandpa. So I think that worked out pretty good. <laughs> I'll say it did. That's a great story. And it, it, it goes right there. Now, I'm going to save some of the rules because we want people to go buy this for Christmas and go buy this book. It's a great book. I want to change uh, uh, to one other topic that's endemic in the book when you go through it, and that is chaos, crisis, and controversy. People have scratched their head that that that's a sign of dysfunction or or, or whatever. But in the in the pursuit of excellence, in the pursuit of winning, in the pursuit of getting to your top, failing to the top, uh, uh, chaos and crisis and controversy are just part of the game, aren't they? Well, I, you know, look, I think Donald Trump has a has a thing. And I don't know if that thing, some will call it positive, some will call it negative, but it's his thing. And his thing in life is, you know, he was born around chaos, controversy, and crisis. He loves it, and he thrives on it, and he thinks it makes you a winner, and he thinks if you're my employee and you don't thrive on it, it'll prove you bad on the battlefield, and I'll fire you. You're fired. Right. And if you do good in it, then I know I've got a good, employee. got a good employee. He likes right. baptism under fire, right? right? His thing is, and this is the real thing when you isolate it, Trump wants to prove he's superhuman. That's what I believe. I don't know that for a fact. It's what I believe after watching him for a lifetime. Okay. I believe that he likes to fail, and just when he's about to touch the bottom, when he's, when he's in an airplane and he's the pilot, and he's headed straight for the ground and everyone's going to die, at the last second, he presses the right button, finds the problem, pushes the airline back up again, and everybody lives. That's the near-death experience that he's had again and again in his career. He's always close to disaster and losing everything and failing, and he pulls out of it, and he proves you know, you know, it, it would be easy for anyone to always do well. The hard part is to do bad and come back. He does it again and again and again. He was so close to the bottom. He was once walking John on Fifth Avenue, New York, with Marla Maples, his second wife, and he saw a bum on the street, and Marla Maples said, I'll give him some money, that poor man. And Donald Trump said, Marla, he's richer than us. And Marla said, what do you mean? He said, well, that guy's worth nothing, and I'm negative $4 billion. So, <laughs> you know, here's a guy that's pulled out of disaster again and yep. again and again. And that's why I wouldn't count him out of this election. Even as we record this interview, I'm telling you, you may find out about two, three weeks from now, or maybe a month from now, that Donald Trump has pulled a Houdini again, and it's not over. It doesn't look good. I'll admit, I'm not one of those delusional hosts that tells right, everyone right. we're going to win. I'm guaranteeing it. Yep. I just think you got the right guy. If I'm ever going to bet on a horse that's a long shot, Donald J. Trump is that horse. He wins again and again when no one expects him to win, and he pulls out of what looks like disaster and failure and embarrassment. So if there's a chance that anyone could do this, it certainly would never have been Mitt Romney. 
they would have he would have conceded. It wouldn't be John McCain. It wouldn't be Bob Dole. It wouldn't be Gerald Ford. Those are all Republicans who lost, yeah. and they lost because they don't have the winning attitude and the understanding of risk and gambling and failure that Donald Trump does. And so they would have conceded and walked away the day after the election. I knew. I predicted because of my understanding of Trump in the Trump rules. I've gone on hundreds of interviews. That's probably why the book went to number one. And I told everybody, I can't promise he's going to win and overturn the election, but I could promise you that he will not concede till the last, last minute, till the candle is blown out by the Supreme Court. This guy will never quit fighting. And then when it is, if it happens, he'll come back in 24. It'll prove everybody's a winner again. And in between, he'll probably knock Fox News out of business and build a better TV network. So he's an amazing guy, and you never count Trump out. I always say, never bet against Trump. Never bet against Trump. I would say right now, if I could make a bet, I would take a shot. I hear the odds offshore like a hundred to one that he's, you know, he's not going to be president right. uh, on January twentieth. I'd grab that bet. I'd bet a thousand against a hundred thousand. I would take that shot. And I'm a betting man, so I'm probably hinting you that I've made that bet. So <laughs> all I could tell you is never bet against Trump. You never know. But either way, he will personally turn a loss into a win. He's yeah, a win-win guy. Everything's a win, and that's the attitude we all need to establish. One last question before we let you go. In uh, Nevada and Las Vegas, there have been some election irregularities. We've had some really interesting guests. We had the newspaper columnist who signed uh, the um, ballots for other people and didn't get detected. What do you think in your home state and around the country will happen post-election? Will Americans look at this election and say, we can't let this happen again? We're too good for this. This looks like a third world thing. Or we just go ho-hum and and our elections will be run this way forever forward? Well, you know, you know what my hope is. My hope is that, that the Supreme Court recognizes that this election is wrong. Right. And there's quite a few alternatives for them to re- remedy it. I mean, first of all, they could overturn the result, and Donald Trump could be president of the United States. Second of all, probably a more fair way is just to say, listen, there were four, four really bad states. I think Nevada was terrible where I live. Yep. I think Arizona was terrible. But my, my gut says that the election will come down to Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Wisconsin. I think those yeah. three are very overturnable. And, and Arizona's pretty big, too. But, but and Michigan's pretty big, too. But I do believe, from what I've read and studied, the three that would be my targets would be Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Wisconsin. And if you overturn those three, Donald Trump is at 278, and he's the next president of the United States. So the Supreme Court could easily say, these three have so many irregularities, so many voters who voted by mail that we cannot verify, so many voters that voted by mail that came in after 8 o'clock on election night, night, that we're we're overturning this, but we're not giving it to Trump. We're saying, let's have a re-vote in those three states, or have a re-vote in those four states. That would be fair, as long as Republicans aren't so stupid that they don't assume the same thing will happen again with massive cheating. I don't know why Trump didn't do this, John, but if I was Trump... I would have had an executive order that said all the places where the votes are counted are going to be guarded by United States Marshals or FBI special, uh, you know, special forces. Right. Whatever you have to do, National Guard, I don't care who it is, some sort of federal government response is needed to guard the places where the votes are, ta- uh, are counted, counted and tabulated. To make sure a, a week before nothing comes in that room and up to a week after nothing comes in that room. And on election night, to make sure vans don't pull up at four in the, four in the morning with hundreds of thousands of blank ballots or hundreds of thousands of pre-filled out Biden-only ballots. That was the tip-off, John. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was the tip-off. He not only won with thousands and thousands of extra ballots after election night, but every one of them only said Biden. They didn't have time to fill out all the down-ballot candidates. So that's the tip-off right there of the cheating that went on. They just had time to write Biden, 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 Biden. They didn't even help elect another senator or, or governor or congressman, and that's why we Republicans pretty much had a gigantic red wave on election night all over the United States. We did great in Congress, we, uh, the House, yeah. I should say. We did pretty darn well in the House Senate Senate, with the amount of seats we were defending. We did great with state legislatures all over the United States. We had a fantastic night, but Donald Trump didn't, even with 11 million extra votes, because when they realized how big Trump was winning, they had already filled out lots and lots of false ballots, in my opinion, and they said, we're going to need to get more. We got millions stored in in a warehouse just for an emergency like this. Let's start bringing them in the USPS trucks. And they trucked them from New York to Pennsylvania, to Michigan, to Wisconsin, to Georgia. It's an embarrassment. We're a banana republic if we let this stand. Well, that's got to be the big lesson, because uh, no matter how Trump v. Biden ends uh, the state of American elections, half or more of this country 
uh, will not trust the future elections. And before this election, it was the Democrats who were squawking about it. It's time for both parties to take a look and say, we can do better than this. Uh, if there's anything that comes out of this election, we got to hope that that's part of it. Um, you, you do know, last thing I'll say, you do know that Solinsky is what they all live by, rules for radicals. Of course, And, yes. and Solinsky was devoted to the devil, by the way. I think everybody should know that. That was the opening page. It's in Solinsky's own book. I'm right. not making this rules up. Rules for radicals, it's yeah. De- right, dedicated to the devil, but, uh, dedicated to Satan. But, but the important thing is that they said in Rules for Radicals, whatever you're doing, look in the mirror, whatever you see you're doing, blame it on the other guy. And that's what Democrats have done. For four wow. years, they've said foreign interference and elections Russia have no scandal security. scandal makes that really clear. Yep. Right. And now, and now they went and did the exact thing they were talking about. There was no election security. They're right. There was no credibility. They're right. The election was stolen. They're right. And there was foreign interference. But it wasn't Russia. This new election, the interference was communist China. And I'm also willing to bet you the interference was Iran and Venezuela with Dominion. I'm also willing to bet you the interference was the Mexican drug cartel. I'm sure that... No one in the world has, has hit a home run if Biden's the president more than communist China. Now the boot is off their neck of Biden's president and the Mexican drug cartel. The border will be open. They can make all the money they want, all the human trafficking, all the drugs they want. If those two groups didn't send a lot of money to Joe Biden when he set records in August, September, October, $360 million in donations, all of them small, below the limits where you need to report who, who wrote the donation, and the ones that were above the limit, John, all happened to put unemployed. I think it was 48% of them said they were unemployed, but they were able to send money to Joe Biden. That money was from foreign sources, as sure as I'm standing here, which means our whole election was stolen by communist China and other enemies of the United States. So they're the ones that screamed foreign interference and no election credibility. And for four years, because they knew they were going to steal the next election with foreign interference and and fake ballots and, and dead people voting. So much to work on to prove all these things as we go forward. There is so much to learn from this 2020 election and so much we don't know. You know, it took us four years to unravel Russia. We'll be working on this election a year, two years from now, because there's so many things we still do not know today that is uh, terrifying, actually, to think that we don't know so much about what went on in the 2020 election. Wayne, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Your energy, your excitement, your passion, your knowledge, your business sense is just something uh, to marvel at. And I want to thank you for joining us today. We wish you congratulations on the book. Continued success with the book. Let's get you on uh, after the first year again. You got it. If there's one thing I learned from Trump, always end with a with a sales pitch. So I want to mention I want to mention that Trump rules Trump is the rules. number one in twelve categories at Amazon, and it's the perfect Christmas gift for any of the Trump fans in your life. So if you have an office of Trump fans, or a ton of uncles and aunts, or a ton of kids, or your father and grandfather, go out and buy ten copies, wrap them up, put them under the tree. I'm telling you, whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah, if you got Trump fans in your life, Trump rules is the right gift for them. So there's my last pitch, very Trump-like. Yeah, well. Done. Absolutely. Always pitching, never pitching. <laughs> Wayne, Merry Christmas. You Merry too, brother. Christmas. Take care. Have a good one. Great to God talk bless. to you. Folks, thank we'll you, be John. thank you. We'll be right back to wrap things up after this commercial break. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, that wraps up uh, another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. So grateful you tuned in. I hope you enjoyed my good colleague Daniel Payne last week. What a great job he did. Great guest, great news. Really loved it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Wayne Allen Root today. Tomorrow, Laura Trump is due up on here. We're going to talk about the uh, hanging election, the scandals, how the family's doing, what's next for the Trump family, what's next for Laura Trump. A uh, big day tomorrow on John Solomon Reports. We hope you're Ready to tune in. We'll have some more breaking news. I expect to break a big story tomorrow that I think you'll find interesting in the cancel culture side of politics today. Uh, This one's going to be in one of the corporate boardrooms. We're going to tell the inside story of how a false narrative felled one of America's iconic
CEOs. We're going to have that tomorrow along with Laura Trump. So tune back in. Until then, have a blessed night with your family and make sure you check up on all the breaking news at justthenews.com.